It's another bisexual brunch with Lewis Oakley, Ashley Byrne, but this time with no Nicky Hodgson. If nobody was told what you were meant to do, if there weren't any rules, we would be living in a totally different format. We as journalists and activists have always found it very difficult to find people who will openly talk about being bisexual. Just don't think there are enough bi perspectives on bi issues. I feel like we've got to talk about it because we're really comfortable doing that. It can be really intimidating. Bisexuality is not really understood because people have biphobic tendencies. And the second you mention bisexual, just their ears pick up. Oh, well, you're still confused, right? No, I'm not confused. I've always found myself at the mercy of gay and straight advice. You can have a bit of competition to see who's the better bisexual bruncher. This is Bisexual Brunch. Yes, it's another bisexual brunch, but this time without Nikki, who's taking a short break. And first of all, we've got to congratulate Lewis on becoming a dad for the, well, second, well, really third time. Tell us more. Thank you so much. Yes, um, baby Hugo is finally here. He was born four weeks ago, so I'm actually returning to work in like a day's time. My paternity leave is over. Um, honestly, it's been it's been amazing, and bless him, he is so well behaved. He sleeps really well, which is great. I don't know if you can hear in the background, but Maisie is actually screaming in the background. Maisie, for you know, she's only twenty months old. And for, we were really worried about her because we have thrown a lot at her in the same period. We literally moved house and then the next week the baby was born. So it was a lot. She is so loving to her little brother. But at that age, it's a bit worrying. So, for instance, we'll have him in his swingy chair and she will be leaning into the swinging chair to try and hug him. And it's kind of like we don't want her to not hug her brother but at the same time it's like you could squish him or grab his head or something so you're kind of like wedging your hand in between the two and being like oh that's nice but also don't lean any higher so it's it's she's taken to it really great so no signs of jealousy no signs of any jealousy no no signs of any jealousy yet which is really good i think so she she's happy to have a little brother she's happy to have a new bedroom and a new home so thank god and yeah hugo is great it's weird because you go back to the beginning and when he was born they asked me do you want to change his nappy and i had complete performance anxiety about changing his nappy in front of like all the other midwives that were there. And obviously I changed like 20 nappies a day. Like what? why would you have performance anxiety? But I was literally like, oh no, you can do it. It's fine. Because I work, you know, with Maisie now at the age she's at, like I throw her on the bed. I chase her around. Like we're a bit rough and tumble, but he was just so delicate and is so delicate. And it's like, I've forgotten how delicate they are at that age. So, but anyway, he's um he's he's settling in great. We're all doing okay. It is very intense now, I've got to say. I thought having one baby was intense, but now having two, it's like there is never a moment. So, you know, Maisie naps for like two hours in the middle of the day and it's like, okay, now we can get stuff done. But if Hugo is like up and about and like causing trouble in that two hours, it's like, well, you don't get anything done. And the same with evenings, you know, you get Maisie down to sleep. It's like, okay, we've got our evening. Now it's like, no, you've got a baby. So there are just things that, you know, the council tax people are still waiting for our money because we just have not had time to set it all up. Um, Even things around the house, we obviously just moved in. It's like, there's just been no time. I don't have time to, we don't have a microwave yet. Can you believe it? We've been in this house over a month. 
and we do not have a microwave. Why? <laughs> I couldn't tell you. We could just go on Amazon right now and do it. But there's just, honestly, it's weird where it feels like you just have no time at all. And is your well, step- I've had some time. I've is, done some things. Is your stepson helping out? Um, he, he's good and he's loving. Um, he's not doing any chores though, but, um, but he's, you know, he's doing okay. Um, and yeah, I'm, uh, I, I am looking at ways to incentivize him to do some chores around here, but he's not stupid. He wants the cash. <laughs> of course, of course. Well, I'm glad it's going well. I'm glad it's going well. What, um, yeah, I mean, obviously got to, as you say, it's a big thing, isn't it? I mean, you've got two little ones now who aren't, there's not a huge great of difference between their their age. Obviously, you say one's very small, and one's, you know, much bigger and boisterous and all the rest of it. But that must have been. I mean, it's quite. A, it is quite a culture shock, isn't it? Having two kids, all at once in a way like that. I mean, I mean, you're you're now going to go back to work. You know how how is it going to pan out? Do you think how are you going to manage to? Um, you know, your, your wife's going to be ex- exhausted, isn't she? Yeah, and I pride myself on being an involved dad. Like, I, like she's only done one round of, like, clothes washing. I've been doing it all. I, I, I'm not sat here like, oh, I'll, I'm a man, the woman can do it. Like, I am literally hands-on in nappies and everything. But, yeah, you know, I'm going back to work. She's going to have to do the bulk of it in the day. It is going to be tricky for her. I mean, basically, I said to her the other day, I was like, if we can survive the next two years, I don't think there's anything that could ever happen that would break us up. And also, if we can survive the next two years, I just think our lives are going to get so much better. But I do think we're in a weird period of two years where it is about survival. It's about being in Groundhog Day and having routines that are just working like clockwork of dealing with their naps, feeding everyone, getting everyone dressed you know, working, doing all that stuff. And obviously this is a, a a big time in my life, you know, professionally. I just got a promotion at work. So it's like, I really need to dedicate some time and energy there. But also all the bisexual stuff, I don't want to let any of that drop. I'm still doing the podcast. I'm still doing the advice column. I'm writing a book. And, you know, really one of the things I want to go big on this year is doing more broadcast, which obviously I think we'll come on to in a bit. I've been I've been making some steps forward there. But trying to get it all done, I mean, it's crazy. And I'm also learning to drive at 30. So I don't know. It is, it's just, it's one of those things. But I think this is just what people do. And I was speaking to my auntie about this a while back. And she was like, you will look back on this period and be like, how the heck did we do that? But you just do it. So I don't know. I think, and then I think it's going to be so nice. Imagine in a couple of years when the kids are at school and stuff, and we have our time back. And it's going to be like, I'll just be such an efficient person from knowing how to just absolutely micromanage the time and get so much out of even 30 seconds of just like okay quick there's no kids around start writing an article or whatever it is so I you know it's mad and I'm not thinking about it too deeply but you just I guess you just have to go for it but this is I think the worry is I think this is how people's lives do get off track how your goals kind of go because it's like look I haven't got time for my goals I've got to get these kids dressed and bathed and everything so it's not all straightforward and I'm all completely optimistic. Like, it, you know, having kids is a big thing. And it's something I've written about on the bisexual front too, as like, you know, a big thing for bisexual people is that, you know, some of them settle down and have kids and stuff. And then they don't have this time to be vocal by bisexual people. And the rest of the world is like, you know, look, see, they turn straight, told you. Being in this domestic straight-facing relationship 
does end up pushing you down what, you know, what people would perceive to be the straight path. It's not at all, I'm still bisexual as ever. But having that time to talk about it and devote to it, it's it's hard. And you can kind of see why it gets to this point where people are just like, I just, I just don't have time to be visible and how that then feeds into the invisibility itself. Not that I'm blaming bisexual parents at all. I mean, you can hear maybe in the background, Maisie is still screaming. Usually, can I just say to the audience who think that I'm abusing and neglecting the child, we basically, with Maisie, um, rock her to sleep every night and sing. And it kind of was taking about 40 minutes and then it went up and it was taking about an hour and a half. We were doing longer sets than Adele. Um, and we kind of came up with a new way of like, right, straight away we'll put her in the cot, we will sing for half an hour and then we will leave no matter what. And we've been doing that. And she basically, when we leave after half an hour, she cries for about 15 minutes and then she goes straight to sleep. And I think it's that whole thing of like, okay, you know, that we're, I'm bored now. No one's here. Because I do think it's quite distracting having us in the room. And then we leave and then cries 15 minutes and then fast asleep the whole night. It doesn't wake up until six o'clock the next day. Obviously, because today I'm recording Bisexual Brunch, she has decided, right, I'm going to cry for a full hour. Um, you know, just because. But usually she would not cry this long. Well, I'm sure a lot of people... In case anyone thinks I'm a bad dad. <laughs> I'm sure a lot of people who are listening to this, who happen to be parents and are bisexual, can really identify with uh, what what you're saying. And I think, actually, you know, it's great that you are there because there isn't that many people who are out as bisexual and are out as bisexual parents. Let's face it, you must be one of the very few, really. So it's great to hear what you, you know, that you're you're surviving and, 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 and you know, and still managing to, um, you know, support the bisexual community and to fly the flag as a bisexual within a, as you say, a straight-facing relationship. But the big question, of course, is you've got two kids now, uh, three kids, but two kids of a certain age, as you say, it's going to be exhausting for the next couple of years. Is is that it? Do you think it's two's the limit? Do you think that's it? Oh, my God. You know my other half listens to the podcast. I, like, right now, you know, in 2022, yeah, I cannot imagine. I, I just don't know how we would ever cope with another child. I just don't see how that would be possible. Could I be tempted in four years' time to be like, oh, come on, one more for the road? Um, <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I've, I, 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 I I was I was passionate before having this child that I wanted to have one more after Hugo, but now, just just the absolute craziness and constantness of this, I'm just I just don't see how we'd ever do it. And obviously, it's not just up to me; it's up to my other half. And I think she's very much at um, let's 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 stop here. So we'll see. <laughs> Watch this space. But I was joking the other day. There's a there's a sperm shortage in the UK, so I could always become a donor if I really feel that I need to have another biological child out there. <laughs> well, well, the demands might be the other way. She might be demanding for you to, uh, you know, <laughs> have the snip. <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> you never know. You never know. Which is another which is another topic entirely. Uh, we won't go there yeah, now. But I've had some really in interesting conversations with guys who've been through that and there's a lot of emotional issues come up in that you know with with people having a snip it's not it's not clear cut as it were <laughs> we, maybe oh. we should we should talk about talk about that at some other maybe point intended. absolutely absolutely so, so since the last time we spoke on bisexual brunch lewis the monkeypox situation um has intensified we got a little bit of criticism last time because um 
we were we put the emphasis on the fact that we were worried about stigmatization and people sort of getting the impression that it was all about um gay and bisexual men and we were worried i think about the potential for you know the the, the whole sort of gay plague kind of thing coming back again and how bisexual people got blamed for the aids crisis and all that kind of thing um we weren't being um you know, we, 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 you know, I think it's important for, for, for us to say that we, we, we do take the issue seriously. We weren't sort of being, you know, dismissive of the fact that it's, a, it's an issue which people need to care about and need to worry about. But at the same time, the language in these things matters, doesn't it? But the, the update on, on this, by the way, is that 17,000 people in over 70 countries have, have now tested positive for monkeypox. Um, it seems that the majority of people are gay and bisexual men. And according to the World Health Organization, which has um, basically decided that it's a world emergency, um, it's particularly gay and bisexual men who are having multiple partners. So um, it's not something which is, um, it's not uh, deadly in the sense of like HIV and AIDS, but it is obviously something which they're concerned about and want people to act on. So what what's your thoughts on this? I mean, just going back to what we were thinking about before, the whole thing about stigma is still important, isn't it? The whole thing about not, you know, getting this right and making sure that people realise it is not a sexually transmitted disease. The reason apparently gay and bisexual men uh, are tending to show up more than other people is because of, certainly for those people who are having multiple partners, is is because of that contact side of things they've got more contact and it seems that certain parts of the body um is where it tends to sort of activate more than other parts of the body does that make sense yeah no i I mean i i haven't changed my views i think when you come from a community that was stigmatized very heavily because you know there there was a health issue that was that was prevalent in your community and now another one's come along, I think, you know, there is part of you that then says, oh, hold on, like, obviously, if gay and bisexual men are more affected by this, then we have to obviously alert people and logically look forward. But at the same time, especially in the world we live in now, where things can flip so quick, you're like, but let's also be careful with how people are talking about this, because it wouldn't be the first time that we've stigmatised gay and bisexual men. Um because of, you know, a virus or a disease that is going around uh, a particular community. And obviously putting it in perspective, I mean, this is not COVID. This is this is a horrible thing, but it's not um, it's not killing people anywhere like um, COVID did. But um, I think for me, you know, this is a serious issue. We've got to take it seriously. We've got to act responsibly. So for me, I mean, my my biggest thing about this really comes to, well, how are you reaching bisexual men? Because we know the statistics, the majority of them are not out to healthcare providers. So what are you going to do? Um, I, you know, and it's one of those things where if people would have listened to me for the years that I've been banging on about how the statistics show by people are less likely to be out to healthcare providers, by people think that healthcare providers don't understand their sexuality, um, you know, now something's come along where you need bisexual people to be out to their healthcare providers. You need them to trust their healthcare providers and that's not there. So what are you going to do about it? I told you so. Yeah. And also just thinking about that for a second, 
there will be bisexual men out there who, um, you know, are enjoying themselves, going to saunas, doing all sorts of different things. And they might be doing it without other people knowing because of the stigma of being bisexual and not wanting to be open about being bi and all that kind of thing. And if they, if there's too much emphasis on this being some kind of gay or bi plague, and of course it isn't, but if there's too much emphasis on that, they're less likely to then come out and talk to people about it or even go to an STD clinic, are they? You know what I mean? That's the, I mean, not that it's an STD uh, transmission, obviously, but what I mean is they're more, they're more unlikely to actually seek help and support for it, really. So it's, it is, the language is very important, isn't it? The language is very important. The stigma is very important. You know that I write um, the Ask a Bye Dad column and one of the, the questions recently was about a guy who was struggling to find a woman to date and every time he was open and honest about his bisexuality with women they wouldn't show an interest. Um, and it was really interesting to read the comments on that one. Yes, I read the comments for once. Um, but basically a lot of bi men were reporting the same thing and a couple of them were like, it's really weird. I used to get loads of dates with women and then as soon as I put bisexual in my dating profile bio, literally I haven't seen one woman swipe on me since. Um, so you add that to, to now where it's like, you know, now people are going to be heightened. Oh, I wouldn't want to sleep with a bi guy because, you know, for, for, from a woman's point of view. So it does encourage bi men to go more into the closet. It just does. You know, I didn't really think that that's something you could really argue. Um, so, you know, this is a very tricky situation. It's not like we found ourselves in last time. You know, people are trying to be more out. People are trying to be more compassionate. Um, but this has the potential to undo a lot of that progress in that area. One of the biggest issues I think single bi men face is that a lot of women won't date them. That's the reason they won't come out. That's the reason they feel stigma in many circumstances and experience it in many circumstances. So it's a tricky one. Obviously, if there is, um, you know, a health risk that is largely, you know, disproportionately affecting bisexual people, then we of course need to talk about it. It's not like we're saying, hide it, don't talk about it. Of course, we need to get this thing under control. But I, I do just think maybe from our point of view, there is also that um, that concern there that comes from the past that, you know, we've seen where these kind of situations lead, which is more stigma, a rollback of progress. And um, so it's it's a it's a tricky one. We are where we are. And I guess we're just going to have to navigate it as best we can. Yeah, and obviously the authorities in different parts of the world need to get their act together in terms of, you know, giving people treatment and, and sort of, you know, getting through to people, I suppose. And that is one of the big problems, isn't it? Identifying, if you wanted tomorrow to go out there and, and do a, you know, a sweep of, of gay people, you might be able to find a fair, fair number. But to find by men in, say, Manchester or Birmingham or London or whatever, it, it's, gonna, it's quite a challenge, isn't it? Yeah, you're going to have it cut out for yourself. Um, I mean, I think I've spoken on the show before about when I went to the sexual health clinic. I mean, I've had a couple of experiences there. And, and to be honest, um, let me be completely honest with our, with our listeners. So when I first was going around being a little sexual bisexual and wasn't ready to be out, I was using fake names um, at clinics. Like I would give them a fake name. Um, just because I just wasn't, I, I was really worried about having my bisexuality documented on medical records. Because I, I, I just, you know, I just wasn't there. Um, a few years later when I was there, everyone was like, well, you know what, it's, it's fine. Um, 
I remember, you know, being asked how many sexual partners have you had since your last test? And I told them and then she was like, all men. And I was like, no, and gave the breakdown of men and women. Um, and she was like, oh, so are we thinking bisexual then? And I was like, I literally have just told you I'm sleeping with men and women. Like, what, what are you talking about? Maybe bisexual then. Um, so there is that lack of understanding, even in that community, in, in the, the sexual health field. So it is, it, is a, it is a worry. And, you know, we can only do as much as we can do. Like, I have been talking about this for years. Um, and, now, and now it's showtime because there's, there's this issue. Um, you know, and I just don't know how many bisexual men you're going to um, reach, to be fair. So, so there we are. But obviously, you know, it is about, you know, being safe um, and making the right decisions for you and your health. So if you are a bi man listening to this and you are worried about it, then, you know, go and speak to your healthcare provider and decide what is best for you. Yeah, I mean, the only other issue, of course, is that there is, as we know, because we battle with it all the time as bi people, there is a perception that bi people are automatically more promiscuous than others, which we know is absolute nonsense. But this might only add to that, might it, in the sense of, you know, they, people hear the word bisexual and they think, oh, yeah, it's those buys again, all over again. Yeah, well, exactly. It, it, it does. Um, and obviously, you know, as a bisexual in a long term relationship with a woman who's monogamous, <laughs> you know, I'm not an at risk bisexual. Um, so, so the, you know, there is this focus now on, oh, well, it's just the bisexuals that, you know, are overly sexed. But, you know, I mean, there's straight, this is not, you know, straight people aren't immune from this. You know, it will, it's not just gay and bisexual men. It is, you know, the the warning is really, you know, anyone that is coming into that kind of close contact with multiple people. So, you know, just because you're not gay or bisexual doesn't make you immune from this. So we are where we are. But yeah, I mean, you're right. It adds to that stigma of like, you, you buys that keep sleeping with everyone. Look what you've done now. You're in, you're in trouble. We're going to have to step in and help you. Yeah, it's something we have to watch for, really, isn't it? Um, but yeah, you're right. I mean, there's lots of there's lots of straight people out there having multiple partners and orgies and all sorts of things on a regular basis. You know, more than ever now. Yeah, they they've really come along. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I can imagine if you're going through it, if you suddenly these things appear, you're going to be panicking a bit, really, as to what's going on. And uh, if anybody is out there, you know, feeling like that, as you say, people need to not be scared, really. Go and go and speak to your doctor. Go and go and speak to somebody and find out what what you know what risks do because it isn't, as you say, it's not like COVID. It's not like HIV and AIDS, really, in the early years or anything like that. It is something that can actually be treated, uh, but people need to need to get the the support, you know, fairly quickly, don't they, really? Absolutely. <laughs> You're listening to Bisexual Brunch. So, some great news. Um, Nikki and I have dropped off the list. Um, <laughs> we were bringing up the rear with you last year at 97 or 98 on the power list of uh, the Pride, or sorry, the Pink Power List as it's called here in the UK. But you've leapfrogged up to number 79. How have you done that, uh, um, Lewis? I know, kicked you guys off and just just flew up. No, I'm joking, obviously. Um, yeah, it was it was a, a total shock actually. So last year, yeah, we we clawed our way in at ninety nine, literally by the skins of our teeth, literally holding on for dear life. Um, 
And I don't know how, you know, if the, if the listeners know how this works. So basically, a friend of mine, this was last year, messaged me and said, are you on the Pride Power list? And I was like, I don't know, how would I know? And they were like, because they've emailed you and if you don't get back to them by tomorrow, like they won't include you on their on the list because they need your consent. And I was like, no, I haven't had an email, so I guess we're not that powerful. Um, but anyway, um, I then checked my spam and there was there was the email. So I messaged um, Nikki and Ashley and was like, guys, I need your consent. Like, you know, we, we've just we've, we've got our way into the Pride Power list. Um so this year, because I hadn't heard anything about it at all, and I checked my spam folder this year, I just assumed, well, you know, that's it. Um, you know, we're not on the list anymore. And then, yeah, and then it was as they were announcing it this year, so I guess they didn't need consent this year, um, that they were like, yep, yeah, um, and up to 79. So I don't know what I've done that I wasn't doing last year, but that's fantastic. I mean, I've got the advice column now, so maybe that tipped it, who knows? But lovely to have bisexuals on the list, lovely to have representation. Um, and yeah, don't know what I'm gonna do with all my new power now. With great power comes great bisexual responsibility, I guess. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, although there doesn't seem to be, I looked through the list and th- there wasn't that many bisexuals on there. In fact, I think there was more on there last year than this year. So we didn't see, you might have gone up the list, but didn't seem to be that many other bisexuals on the list, from what I could see. So uh, maybe was, maybe was you one ri- bisexual rises, the others fall. Maybe that's um, what it is. Maybe that's what it is. I mean, it's, no, good, that's it's, right. it's hard sometimes because I know sometimes people people are bisexual on the list, but aren't actually on the list for any services to bisexuality or however you would say it. Sometimes they're doing other things. So sometimes you're not a hundred percent sure how many bisexuals are on the list, but. I would say, you know, if you're bisexual on the list, you you know, you could do a little bit more to shout about bisexuality if it's not clear. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, it's, it, it's great. It's great. It's obviously great that you're on the list. I'm sure me and Nikki might crawl back on again next year. Fingers crossed. But uh, but we We're are, you know, we, we are at, this, at the end of the day, you know, having now experienced this year's Pride month and days and all the rest of it across the UK. You know, it's great that you've been recognised, Lewis, but honestly, the, the, the tokenness of the representation of bisexuality, you were in this two-hour programme on Channel 4, which was a great programme about pride, and you were, well, I don't know, you were all of 16 seconds of that entire programme was about bisexuality, and that was you. 16 seconds, that's all we deserve, apparently. I mean, what do you I make know, of that? and I wasn't even talking about bisexuality at the time, but thank God I got my branding in, yeah, um, loyal yeah. listeners. I, well, I, we I wore to... my bisexual t-shirt, so you could well, what... not know that I was bisexual. Well, that was the point. You would not have known that you were bisexual or anything bisexual unless you'd put that t-shirt on. That was the only thing that actually made out that you know, made sure people knew you were bisexual, which is... I mean, Tom Robinson was on it, of course, who is bisexual, but he, he never mentioned his bisexuality, and all he talked about was his, his song Glad to be Gay back in the 1970s. But that was the only... Other than that, that, that was it. And I listened to a programme on the radio um, at the, at the weekend as well, which was an hour-long programme all about Pride over the years. It mentioned... It brought things up to date. It mentioned trans Pride. It even mentioned asexual Pride. Asexual Pride got mentioned. No mention at all of anything bisexual. And in fact, a couple of the people right at the end were referring to lesbian, gay, and trans 
The B was was avoided, wasn't talked about at, towards the end of the program. So, what is going on? What is happening? I don't. I just don't get it. We. we it We're seems to me. We're just not popular. We're just not popular. No one wants to talk about it. I, I, in the documentary I was in, obviously, because I mean, so just for context here, so I was interviewed for a good 45 minutes an hour for that documentary. And obviously you get 20 seconds in the whole thing. So you never actually know what they're going to use. It was um, actually, it was actually what, six, it was actually 16 seconds. I counted it. 16 seconds. You counted it. Well, there we go. 16 seconds of me. Um, but if you watch the whole thing, it, it, it is crazy. Cause we do, they talk about pride splintering off and things. So they do talk about black pride. They do talk about trans pride they talked about so much and they even gave um, some airtime to the to how there were the, there were differing needs as the LGBT evolved and how the concerns of gay men weren't really the concerns of lesbians and how, you know, it, there was a point where the lesbians kind of said, you know what, this is all well and good, but it seems to all be about gay men. So we need to 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 level it out a little bit. But yeah, you're right. No, no talk of bisexuality at all no no real examination of it. it the only times bisexuality were mentioned were when they were like gay and lesbian gay lesbian bisexual trans that was it you know what i mean it was it was part of a list they were reeling off so it is terrible because let's not forget we are 52 percent of this population um you know we're, our history deserves to be told uh, surely our time is coming here we are banging on about it you know, we have a successful podcast here. We love you listeners. And there are loads of you. I mean, sometimes people I know that are doing podcasts can't believe the numbers we get on this podcast. So it's so obvious that there is, you know, this market for bisexual content, but also that there, you know, there are, there are stories to be told that are never told. Our history is never told. And, you know, it does make you feel like, well, what is the point of you know, being part of this LGBT community if it's always about someone else. Well, it makes me think that, you know, in the last in the last show, we had somebody on who was a, a young bi man who was 23, um, in, lives in Greater Manchester, and he was saying how he thinks that a lot of bi, young bi men in particular, are very lonely. They don't know where to go. They've got nowhere to turn. They don't identify with anything. And there'll be loads of them out there tuning into that programme thinking, oh, this might give me a, an insight into bisexuality because it's all about lgbt and there was just no mention at all there was even mention of trans pre prejudice and stuff like that there's loads of mentions of, of that and how you know people within the lgbt community can be you know guilty of prejudice against trans people but there was no mention of bisexuality i just uh, i'm beginning to think it, it sounds awful this because at first i thought this was just ignorance i it was just literally people are ignorant of bisexuality they just don't understand it and that's it but I don't get that anymore. I don't. I I feel as though there is some kind of conspiracy somewhere online not to give bisexuals coverage. Am I right or wrong? What do you um, think? I I think you I think you're right. I wouldn't. I I don't know if I go as far as conspiracy, but I mean, I think it's just blatant. And obviously, you know this world more than anyone. Ash, you do more than anything behind the scenes. For those that don't know, Ash is always pitching shows and always pitching bisexual content, and so am I. You know, I'm always pitching to national newspapers and to producers of radio and TV shows on bisexual issues. They don't care. You know, I, you know, I'm doing all right in the TV space at the moment, but, you know, half of the stuff I get asked to do is like, will you come on and be the crazy queer person? Um, you know what I mean? That, you, you know, you, you've got to say something crazy and extreme. So, you know, let's not forget by a large section of the media, 
LGBT plus people are, you know, used for entertainment of like, look, they're crazy. They want to steal your gender and steal your soul or whatever it is. Um, you know, they're making things up. Um, but at the same time, we're, you know, the people that aren't out to do that. So the people that did this Pride documentary, who were nice people, by the way, I'm not like slating them at all. They did a good job. They worked hard and, and they told their story. But obviously bisexuality was not part of that. Um I just, I don't know what it is from inside the LGBT community or people that are LGBT in positions of commissioning power that they just don't think bisexuality is a thing. I don't know whether they think we haven't suffered enough. I don't know whether they think because we're invisible that we're not really there. I don't know whether they think, oh, it's just a phase and, you know, I, I, I don't know what it is, but there is, there, there is definitely something there. And I think it's, 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 it's in the algorithms too, as well. You know, like we've talked about this before on the show, like bisexual content, when you put it on Twitter, it doesn't go viral. Like, you know, you can't search by, when you search bisexuality, like rarely anything comes up. Like there, there are certain things on it. I don't, you've made the, the, the point before Ash as well about, is it the fact that it's got sex in it? Is it the fact that if you type bisexual into Twitter, you'll probably find porn rather than bisexual people that are just talking about bisexuality. It's, um, there are so many, I think it might be a bit of everything. And that's why it feels a bit conspiratorial. I think it's a bit of everything. I think it's a bit of ignorance, a bit of biphobia. It's a bit of, oh, you're not interesting enough. You don't suffer enough, which obviously is just ignorance because they don't really understand what's going on. But you know what, Ash, take no notice. We'll keep badgering away. We'll keep working hard. We've got our loyal listeners. Um, and we'll change the world and eventually they'll see sense. Or I might go crazy and just, you know, demand it, go wild. I'll glue myself to something in London. <laughs> no, absolutely. Yeah, and we'll keep the, obviously keep the flag flying. And there are people doing their bit here and there. And there have been, you know, the odd one or two things out there that have mentioned bisexuality and have been doing some great things, you know, some great articles, the odd programme here and there, little little bits and bobs. But it just it's just that issue of just not being able to get the mainstream attention which i do find very very odd and i just think that especially as the numbers every time you get statistics out about lgbt the number of people identifying as the b wherever it may be in the world is increasing all the time but that doesn't seem to matter either that doesn't seem to get any attention it doesn't seem to be an issue for people for some reason they don't seem to i think it is about the issue that people think that bi people aren't the sufferers they're not the people who've been through you know big campaigns to get their rights and all the rest of it because ultimately bisexual people they think can suddenly turn themselves straight and be safe and happy and all the rest of it but as we well know, as we all know, there are loads of bisexual people who are caught in relationships which they're not happy in because they cannot be themselves and can't be out and uh, properly open, and that you know is causing no end of mental health problems all around the world. And um, you know somebody needs to wake up to it at some point. Um, so yeah, that, I, I'm just I'm just very disappointed because you know every year we have this we have loads of hype around LGBT. This year in particular because it's 50 years since Pride, you know, Pride's began and all the rest of it. And you just think, oh, at some point, somebody's actually going to get the message, but it's still not getting through, you know. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I, it's such a tricky one to know what we could do about it. 
obviously I could write more articles and be like, bisexuals are being raised by the LGBT community yet again. It hasn't changed. And maybe I will. Or we could ask, you know, we could ask the listeners to email certain commissioning editors and be like, oi, where's the bisexual? We've got a good community here, you know. We could, you know... Yeah, you know what? It only takes a couple of hundred emails for someone to be like, oh, actually, I better change my tune. So maybe we need to have a little go off and have a little think about what we could all get involved in, not just us as as um, co-hosts of the podcast, but as listeners. Is there something we could all do together, whether that's emailing a certain commissioning editor or, or, you know, putting something on socials. I don't know. Maybe we could all do something together that really turns the tide and says, you know what? You can't have hours of different documentaries around LGBT and Pride and not focus on the B other than saying the word if we're lucky. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. Well, watch this space. I'm sure we'll come up with something. And, you know, I think I mentioned it briefly on the last show. There's a film out recently about the First World War poet Siegfried Sassoon who had relationships, multiple relationships with men and with women and all the publicity was about him being gay. He was gay. He was gay. He was gay. You know, we we we're still having issues with this, and it it, it just get it, it really really does get me down. It's just it, it's just crazy. There's so much lip service towards the that you know everyone says, oh well, we've represented the B, we've got the B in there, but there just isn't anything really. And of course, you still haven't managed. I I gave you some homework last time, but I'll forgive you because you're a new dad. You were going to go and visit, or you are going to go and visit at some point, this uh, new queer museum, aren't you, to see if they've actually uh, uh, represented the the bee at all. And I'm, I'm, I mean, we tried to get an interview with them and they've refused at the moment to do an interview. Now, and that may be because people haven't got time or whatever, but it does worry me. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go be a little undercover reporter. I reiterate, I still don't have a microwave yet. That's how far behind I am. So, you know, I'm going to go. I w- you know what? Now that I'll be going back to work and going into the office, which is in central London, it'll actually probably be a lot easier to just go. Um, but yeah, I you know, because I do think, and especially for bisexual people, and there are statistics on this as well, a lot of bisexual people don't really feel part of the LGBT community anyway. Never mind in Pride season. They just don't feel part of it. Because it doesn't represent them. If you're someone like me that looks at the money and looks at the statistics, you kind of feel a little bit like, well, literally we are only just paid lip service. They're not actually working on anything. I mean, some people are, so I don't want to discredit the work they're doing. But so few are actually doing anything to seriously improve the lives of bisexual people or improve our representation or acceptance in wider society. Um, there is a bi so, pride you know, in London, though, isn't there? There's actually a bi pride in London now. Yeah, there's one coming. There's one coming. So that'll be great. I think that will be in September. We should get them on nearer the time to kind of talk about it. Um, so, you know, and I would much rather, you know, because Nikki and I spoke at the first bi pride that they did in London a couple of years ago. Um, so, you know, I would much rather support things like that that are more tailored to specifically me than the general LGBT plus for a rainbow at it, you know, what are we really achieving thing? But I, I, I know I'm being slightly cynical here because I, I really do believe that you should go to Pride and get out of it what you want to get out of it. You know, some people go as a protest, some people go as a party, some people go just to reconnect with some of the queer people they know that they haven't seen in a year. Um, you know, I definitely saw the benefit of Pride. You know, in the early days when I was younger and not as confident in my sexuality, going to Pride and seeing people 
you know, just being open and being surrounded by this volume of LGBT people was completely empowering for someone that was not ready to accept their sexuality. And it was actually at the first Pride I went to that I hooked up with a guy for the first time and went home with him. Um, and, you know, so there, there is power in it. And I think it probably, I think it's, you know, I think it's fine to have loads of different opinions on Pride. And I think it's fine for younger people to love it more than maybe older people who probably see a bit more like, okay, put the vodka down, we've got work to do. Um, you know what I mean? So. But then I do think on the plus side, I get a little bit disheartened with every time you, you know, talk about LGBT people, especially every time you see it on Twitter, it's just so negative, you know, that either someone's attacking our community or our community's attacking itself or something's wrong. And I just really, where I am right now, just need to see celebration of LGBT people. I need people, to, I need to be like, yes, we're bisexual, good times. Or yes, we're LGBT plus people. Thank God. Like, you know, we're having a good time. We're living life in a great way. The straights wish they were us. Um, you know, that's what I need right now. But I do feel, I can understand why some people get disheartened by it because, and you know, I try and keep a balance in the work I do in the activist space of, you know, talking about the problems, but also trying to talk about the celebratory elements of it. Because I don't want a young bisexual guy to tune into bisexual brunch and be like, oh God, I may as well just stay in the closet. I don't want to be part of that. Sounds like coming out would just be horrible. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. I think also there are obviously a lot of people out there who, you know, being bisexual, um, whatever whatever their sexuality is, whether they're gay, bi, whatever they are, is just one element of their life. It isn't... You know, they don't necessarily want to go out and shout about it in a big flamboyant way like you and I might do, Lewis, or I may have done in the past. You might do now. You might still do now when you <laughs> when you can. But, you know, some people, it's just part it's just part of their lives. You know, for some bisexual men in particular and men I know, literally being by the by side of them or the side, I suppose, the, the side that isn't the straight side with the women or you know i know they're by overall but you know what i mean the the side where they go and have sex with men is literally that it's just about having sex for some for some by men it literally is about about that they're not bothered about going to bars and pubs and things they just want you know an easy hookup somewhere kind of thing there are people out there like that so you know what i'm saying is we're, we're dealing with a multiple multiple faceted community here aren't we lots of people and and increasingly and we were talking about this just before we uh, came on air. Increasingly, the more and more people are identifying as bisexual. The population seems to be increasing in in numbers in terms of people who are identifying as, as bisexual, not just in the UK and America, but all across the world. And, you know, we, we know it's very nuanced. What We're all very unique. And there's going to be lots of people out there with lots of different kinds of lifestyles. And I think we have to try and find different ways of connecting with these people don't we really yeah absolutely i you know pride can never be a one solution fits all right and 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 to your point there are bisexual people that don't ever intend to come out and they're okay with that it's not that they feel that they're hidden in a closet it's that they just don't they just don't want to do it and they're okay with living their lives the way they live it and that's fine and that's great um i still think those people could benefit from you know a stronger bisexual community presence, you know, where where they're given the feedback from other bisexual people of, of you know, different ways that they're living their lives. Because I think that seeing other people like you 
and hearing their stories is always a benefit. Well, a little bit later on, we've got our Ask a Bisexual question, which is a really interesting one, this one. Uh, All a bit, well, you know, it's all a bit sexual, so uh, just be warned. Um, (laughs) um, We'll be getting a bit deep on that that one uh, a little bit later on. Uh, But before all that, we've got our bisexual story, um, our bisexual journey story coming up. And it's with Freddie Lee, who's a bi-trans man from Sheffield. That's coming up in just a few moments. Bisexual Brunch is produced with love by MIM. And if you like what we do, why not support us on Patreon? Visit patreon.com forward slash bisexual brunch. Thank you. So it's another bisexual journey story on Bisexual Brunch. And this time we're joined by Freddie Lee, who's a trans bi man from Sheffield. Uh, I'm talking to you here in Manchester, just over the Pennines in Sheffield, just for our American listeners, um, because I know they're always interested in Britain and the geography and all the rest of it. The Pennines is sort of a, a, a smallish, mountainous area between two big historic counties in the UK, one called Lancashire and one called Yorkshire. They've all changed the names a little bit now. But, uh, but yeah, it's in the sort of north of England, if you know what I mean. So if you come and explore uh, the UK, come and search out Manchester and Sheffield, two great cities. So, Freddie, thank you very much indeed um, for joining us uh, on Bisexual Brunch. Now, I think you're the first person we've had on who's actually um, a trans man on the show, um, which is uh, rather um, annoying in a way, because I know full well there are lots of people out there in the trans community who are bisexual. I mean, that's my perception. Is that true? That is something that I that I do see, yeah. Um, I have uh, a lot of sort of friends and like people that I've met over the internet and just sort of uh, through things like queer events and things like that that do tend to identify as bisexual. Um, but I don't feel like we get the representation that uh, I guess we deserve Um we're largely sort of, um, I guess it, it's quite a complex issue uh, when it comes to being bi and trans, um, especially when you're uh, in a situation, say, maybe like dating apps and things like that with, say, gay men or straight women. Uh, they often sort of, uh, they single you to your genitals um, and less about your identity, who you are as a person, they almost, they pull into question not only your identity and your sexual orientation, but they also see that as reflected of their own. So it's like, oh, if I'm attracted to this person, then that must call into my sexuality. That must mean that I'm not how I identify. So it's it's largely sort of invalidating not only my identity, but their own within that. Um, mm-hmm. I think there's probably an assumption, isn't there, that... Um... If you've uh, if you're a trans man, there'll be an assumption that um, well you must be you must be a trans man and that must mean you're attracted to women. If you're a trans woman, well that must mean you're actually attracted to men. And when they suddenly realise that actually a lot of trans men are gay and a lot of trans men are bi and vice versa on the on the, you know trans women as well, uh, it becomes a bit oh, they find that difficult to cope with, don't they? Absolutely. Um, I feel like these are. Uh like quite well ingrained sort of uh, views and opinions as well. So when you are in those spaces, it does lead people to ask almost like they have that authority, that 
to ask invasive questioning to sort of just almost like they're expecting you to educate them or to uh so that they can I don't know they they say that they're curious and they're wanting you to sort of teach them but within that that obviously comes from labor from the trans person in question and obviously you know that's a lot of emotional labor and it puts in a tricky situation and you've got that you've got that twofold haven't you then so you've got that with the trans situation which we know is difficult in itself in terms of the, the experiences that trans people have to go through in order to get to where they want to be but you and I know being bisexual that being bisexual has its issues as well in the sense that both the gay and the straight world just generally don't recognize it or understand it so you've got that twofold haven't you I mean that must have been pretty difficult to navigate at times absolutely like dating apps were a minefield to say the least um like it it came to points where I would almost feel like anxious to put that on a profile because it's like well are people going to be receptive to this is this gonna affect how people view me is this safe for me uh am I opening myself up to being vulnerable to prejudice bigotry that sort of thing um and it it has left me feeling um, uncomfortable at times, especially when people will say, oh, no, I'm not into trans people. But within that, what they mean is that they are saying you have this body part and that's grouping an entire group of people together. And that's not reflective. Like each trans person's experience is completely different. Like people might have had, say, for a trans man, they might have had phalloplasty. They might have had metoidioplasty, which is bottom surgery. And within that, what you're doing is like you're you're saying, you know, that you're not you're not identifying that medical transition exists. And like it, it's an uncomfortable space to occupy because it's almost like people have utilized genital preference to like disguise transphobia. Mm, mm, it's, mm. it's quite uncomfortable because no trans person's experience is the same. Um, and within that, it's almost like it's sort of twofold because trans people shouldn't have to meet a cis person's ideals because we are not cis. But also, like, when it comes to um, uh, meeting with people and things like that, and it's it's just heavy. It's, mm-hmm. it's quite layered with, with... Because it's not just being curious. People can also fetishise trans people. They can infantilize trans people, and that is uncomfortable to say the least. Um, so it's it's quite hard to navigate. The fetishization of bisexual people is around as well, and in fact, we'll be we're talking about it on the, that on this very program when we ask a bisexual question at the end of this show. Uh, we've got a question uh, around that very issue, so uh, listeners uh, have a, have a listen to that a little bit later on when Lewis and I are talking about that, but. Um, with regards to your, let's talk specifically for a moment about your bisexuality side of things. When did you realise that you were bisexual, do you think? Um, so I think from quite an early age, um, I knew that I had, so obviously I had uh, a sign female at birth. So uh, growing up, I knew I had this attraction towards women and um it it left me in kind of like a like a vulnerable position because it 
I, I knew I knew that I was a man that like women so that would make me straight but then I had this attraction towards men and I'm like oh but then I look a certain way and people view me a certain way so it it, it was quite complex within that to try and figure that out and it and it did take uh quite a fair number of years but um like I started off having um relationships with men uh like my teen years and then uh after that I realized oh okay um well now I have the freedom to sort of date women and it was it left me um I don't know it was it was a tricky space to to occupy because I felt like I should be presenting a certain way I felt like I should be with a certain group of people um and I don't know um obviously you have societal pressure to be to be cis and het and when you don't meet those ideals it can be quite isolating especially as sort of like a teenager and um when you don't have a sense of community when there's not a big queer community obviously surrounding you it can be very isolating it can be um it can be difficult and also also you know let, let's be honest here you know everybody out there thinks oh lgbt oh everyone's together all they're all looking after each other that's not the reality is it really um there are so many splits and divides and prejudices and issues that go on i mean it's very very complex isn't it really yeah um especially around bisexual people there's I feel like mass just misunderstanding and it it's tricky because like you said at the beginning when you're on about um obviously when when a woman's bisexual it's seen as almost like fetishized like it's like people think that it's easier for women but they also don't take bisexual women seriously whereas for men if a man's bisexual they're like oh they must secretly be gay. They just don't want to admit it. Or same for women. It's like, oh, you must be straight and you're just doing this for a man's attention sort of thing. And it's it's, it's just not, it's not reflective of people's identities, their experiences. And it it's tricky. So talk about your experiences a little bit. You don't have to go into masters of detail on this. It's obviously, it's, it's private. But what what in terms of your relationships have you had you know in, in being a trans you know bi trans man and being open about that because obviously uh you don't have necessarily I mean you know you don't have to tell everybody everything do you all at once but I presume you feel as though you need to be open about being trans and bi and whatever but you know what what's your experience been how have you know how have people reacted and 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 has that you know have you had some surprising positive um developments or have you had some thick horrors you know tell, tell us about your experiences generally i guess it's been largely mixed um so with um it was odd i went on a date with um with a straight woman a few months ago and they were absolutely fine with me being trans but then when they realized that i was bisexual that made their complete perception completely alter and change and i'm like but it, it was so surprising to me to experience that um and same with um dating a, a gay did man she, did she say what the a problem was why she was sort of while well, she was feeling the way she was or anything I think it was like largely just a misunderstanding because I think they thought that oh you know this must mean that that you're gay because I, I'm aware that I'm quite effeminate and that I'm not 
like entirely masculine is in the like heteronormative sort of ideal that is masculinity um but I like to play around with that and I I think that I think that she just had these ideas about me that just weren't correct so that I sorry we have to we have to tell the listeners that we have a uh (laughs) <laughs> we have a visitor who's determined to get in on the act. <laughs> it's your cat. What's it? What's she called again? She's called Jazz. Jazz. Hello, Jazz. Jazz is definitely, definitely determined to let us know what she thinks. Trying to, we, we obviously she can't speak, but she might meow at us occasionally, possibly. Is she? Is she a meower? Does she meow a lot? Or is she? Oh, really? Right. Okay. <laughs> so, what do you, what do you think, Jazz? Go on, see if we can get a squeak out of her. Jazz? <laughs> She's going to my pen. She's going to knock it off the table. Oh, oh. So, 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 yeah, going back to that then with regards to the, 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 the woman you mentioned, you mentioned that experience there, and she seemed to be fairly c- sort of confused. You were about to tell me about gay men and the experience you've had with gay men. Yeah, and with, with gay men, it was... Um, so the fact that I hadn't had top surgery at that point is what completely threw them. And I was like... But you know, I, it didn't quite make sense. Um, but then in speaking with bisexuality, I, I think people just, I don't know if it's this whole perception that bisexual people are greedy or that they can't be monogamous or, you know, just these complete false sort of ideals that people seem to push on bisexual people um, that just are incorrect. Um yeah, they're wanting to force us to make a choice all the time, aren't they? That's the thing. You know, I think they're happy. You know, they're probably ha- a lot of people are very happy to think that, oh, somebody may have been, you know, may have, um, you know, uh, flitted around and met different people when they were, you know, young, free and single or whatever. But then once they settle down, that's it. You know, they've made a decision. That's it. They're either straight or gay. And, you know, we need we know where we are, you know. But that completely it's false because yeah. we're still bisexual. It's like, uh, like because, um, like currently right now I'm dating someone and it is from, from the outset, it looks like very much like a, like a, like a straight passing relationship. Um, and that, that makes me feel kind of some kind of way because, uh, it's like people just love to invalidate that identity and that part of my identity and theirs as well. Like, we're both um, like bisexual. Like we have dated people of multiple genders, um, but as soon as you're 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 together, they're like, oh, so so you must be straight. When when in actual fact, that's that's not the case. But think, but think, think positively though on that one, because it's often not the case that bi people end up dating other bi people. Because of the way the world works and way we don't know anybody, people don't go around with a B on their head, so you don't know who's who's by. You've actually found somebody else who's by. So in one sense, you haven't got to explain all that, have you? So that's one good thing, isn't it? And a part of that is also for my level of comfort being trans is because I feel like I'm much more comfortable dating someone that's bi or queer or pan because I know that they're not going to question my identity so much. But I don't feel that like that should be necessary, but it's the situation I find myself in because it's more comfortable because they've dated multiple genders. Like, it, it's a safe space for me, but it shouldn't be the case. 
No, no, you shouldn't have to worry. You shouldn't have to be thinking, oh, I've got to go and meet people in a safe space all the time. You know what I mean? In that sense, you ought to be able to just walk down the street and chat to somebody if you get on with them and suddenly you hit it off. That's it. You know what I mean? That's what it should be, really, shouldn't it? So, um, so, so let, let's. So, so you, so you, you, you realise you were bisexual from a, a, a pretty early age. Did that? Because obviously, we've got the issue here of, 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 of sexuality, but also gender. And we, obviously, they are different things, but they, they collide at the same time. Did that cause you, because you knew you were attracted to men and women, you know, sexually or physically or whatever? Did that confuse matters for you when you were thinking about the gender side of things, or did you always feel that actually you were a you you know you wanted to be a man, you were a man, and that's where you wanted to be? Did did did, did they collide? Is what I'm trying to say. They did, yeah. I felt like because because I was interested in men, it was like oh, so what does that mean for my gender identity? And because, like I said before, you know, I'm not a masculine guy well, what does that mean for my identity? And it was like all these questions that were going in my head. And like, I at the, at the end of it, I was like, but why am I subscribing to these ideals when I shouldn't be aspiring to a certain level of cis-heteronormity? I shouldn't be aspiring to that because that is not who I am. And I'd be doing myself a disservice by like subscribing to cis ideals because that is not something that I'll ever be. And that, it's not something that I'll never, I'll ever achieve because that's not who I am. Is is there support when when you're going through the, the transitional side of things on the you know the, the trans side of things? Is there support for for you in terms of talking to people and understanding the, the sexuality side of it? Does that come into it, or is that never? part of it i mean something i'm fascinated by does does it get talked about because sexuality is an essential part of who you are as well isn't it it does yeah uh and so the medicalization of um like navigating gics and things like that is that largely you get asked some ra- well heavily invasive questions you get asked things like what's your sexuality how do you have sex what porn do you watch like, how do you view yourself when you're naked? Do you get naked? Like, all of these, like, very personal aspects of who you are and how you operate and who you're intimate with and how you show up in your life. Like, these all get pushed out of you. And it's to be... But surely that's sexuality, not gender. Exactly. You know what I mean? It's a different thing, isn't it? It's into play. Yeah. yeah. Um, but like you said, they're, they're, they are linked at least when it comes to like medical gatekeeping and things like that like um and it's it's difficult because this is a stranger that you might have met once or twice and you're sharing all this really deeply personal information with them and then you just have to leave it with them and then they're like yes you're trans enough no you're not trans enough that's scary isn't it scary really scary and that and there's an issue there isn't there specifically for people who are bisexual because the world generally doesn't get it doesn't let's face it you know we've got all these things on this week lgbt pride blah 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 how much will actually be bisexual very little the very little mention of anything that the understanding of bisexuality is almost zero still isn't it so and and, and these people are asking you those kind of questions and they they're suddenly faced thinking oh this person is you know likes men and women and and other genders and whatever you know where, where do we, and they're, they're making decisions about your future aren't they yeah. yeah um it's like because they they are 
largely like in control of whether you can medically transition or not like whether you get approved for hormones whether you can continue with your transition whether you can have top surgery bottom surgery whatever aspects or elements you feel would benefit your transition because mm. of course each trans person's experience is different and some people want to medical transition some people don't feel that that is applicable to them um yeah it's yeah difficult but i also wanted to bring up um transphobia specifically relating to turfs and discussing bisexual experiences because it with the gender critical movement turfs like to dismiss a bisexual person's experience because they view trans people transitioning so that they can be straight so whether they're doing it from homophobia whether that's internalized or otherwise they think that like kids specifically because that's all anyone ever wants to talk about no one wants to acknowledge trans adults so when you bring in a bisexual person's experience into that it's like oh that completely dismantles their entire argument and it's just like we see again and again it's just erasing us yeah no absolutely absolutely Uh, well let's just taken aside for a moment and 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 we'll come back to sexuality in a minute but just for a minute let's just talk about the current climate when it comes to trans you know you're you're a trans man not not a trans woman trans men thankfully don't get the kind of press and frankly the nonsense that we've had recently but trans women obviously do and it's got to a ridiculous absolutely crazy extreme hasn't it you know not 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 to be disrespectful of the trans world but we're we are talking at the end of the day um like you are with any, anybody who's lgbt although i do think there's a hell of a lot more bisexuals out there than people realize um but you know we are we are minorities in the sense that we're a small amount of people and we're causing these people so much stress they've been through so much stress in their lives anyway we're, we're creating even more of it and to think to, to give this suggestion that um around every corner is a trans woman, you know, who's, who's transitioned from being a, you know, a man into a woman and is about to attack you in a toilet somewhere. I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous. I mean, I, I, I must, I mean, I do know a few trans people because, you know, being in the LGBT world, but I can still only count them on, on one hand. Do you know what I mean? It's just absolutely crazy. How are you navigating that? Because obviously being somebody who's trans, not that not that a lot of people necessarily know unless you say say you are, I suppose. But it must be it must be pretty upsetting to hear all this nonsense on a daily basis. It is, and I do feel like I internalize that on some level. Like when you're reading everything in the news, it can be so overbearing. And I have to remind myself to to utilize self-care, to protect myself, because otherwise it's so easy to sort of get absorbed into it but it's like with with the gender critical movement if they listen to trans men that have experienced things on both sides if you think about it we've experienced sexism we also experience like male privilege if they sort of worked with us would that not be a better outcome yeah because we have we've seen it from both sides we Mm. know what is happening and (laughs) it, it doesn't quite make sense to me um why they would demonize us and dismiss us but well i mean i do but that's a whole other thing um but yeah with with trans men i do feel like we um we're not demonized the same level at all and that nobody nobody's questioning your 
you are they in terms of your gender really they the people just seem to accept that whereas the trans women you've got this whole issue you know it's pretty this whole thing in the sports world at the moment and where they've banned um trans women from taking part in certain sports and things um i mean it's ridiculous you know, no, nobody talks about they're taking hormones to, you know, estrogen and whatever to make them more feminine, etc. Nobody ever mentions that. That doesn't seem to be considered in the in the in the process, which is weird, isn't it? And the fact that obviously, with, with a, when a trans person takes hormones, they reach a cis person's levels. Like my levels are in line with a cis man's. Like that is regulated. That is monitored. I, I don't. Well, I do do sports, but not to like elite level as I'm sure you can tell <laughs> um but yeah it, it it there's I think a lack of information and also just the, with the mass hysteria like people aren't fact-checking things the gender critical groups are so loud and no one is giving the voices to the trans community so it's like we have with with the being so few of us like we have very little sort of sway on this sort of um debate as they like to talk about it it's in fact human lives and <laughs> but you know they don't like to no I, I i agree and i'm to be honest very i'm certainly not one of these people that believes that um you know people um should be bullied out of an opinion people are allowed to have whatever opinions they like that's fair enough as far as i'm concerned but i am if i'm being honest very disappointed in in inverted commas, the feminist community that's out there that have taken on board this anti-trans side of things. I I never I never expected it to be like that. I just thought that they'd at least understand that there were people out there that wanted to um, you know transition and that they'd understand the you know the civil liberties and equality and 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 underst- you know I, I I don't get it. I don't actually get why we're in the situation we're in. You know I find it quite scary really. And what I have a problem with also is the fact that the government likes to use us as a bit of a scapegoat, mm. a bit of a smoke and mirrors, like, because it gives them political sway, because it's the current thing that people are up in arms about. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. And it worries me a little bit that, um, I don't know, the B, uh, at some point, it concerns me that, once people get once people get understand the bee a bit more and realise there are a lot more bisexual people out there than they realise, then that'll be the next thing they'll be starting to say. Oh, people are making people are making lots of choices to become bisexual. It's become trendy, you know. You know all this nonsense, you know. When actually, in fact, there are tons and tons and tons of people who are bisexual. They've just not been able to be open about it until now, you know. It's like, do you know when you were talking about uh, trans women in sports? And if you think in America, if you think about all the anti-trans legislation that came through, that is an attack on body autonomy. That is an attack on people making decisions about their own healthcare, about what they want to do with their own bodies. And then you look at Roe versus Wade and the overturn and that, and it's like, is this not a natural progression? Did we not see that attacking trans people would then lead to attacking other people's rights and other people's choices and their own body autonomy. It's like, you take it away from one group. Do you think it's going to stop at that? Yeah. yeah. No. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. So going back to you personally then, um, so you, you're trans and you're bi. How has that gone down with people closest to you in your, in your family? Have they been really understanding? What were they, did they find it easier to, to understand one thing over the other? I mean, have they, you know, how, how's that gone about? Cause obviously, you know, gay people talk about having to come out, bi people talk about having to come out. You've had to deal with 
trans and bi, two things that aren't necessarily understood. What's your experience been there? Uh, so within my family, it's been sort of a, a difficult ride. Um, although I have to give credit to my family, when it came to my sexuality, that wasn't so much of an issue. Well, me liking women, all right. Me liking men post-transition, not okay. Like, because the thing that I observed is that going on hormones, it actually affected my sexual orientation. So I was like, prior to transition, I was maybe like a, I don't know, like a 80, 20 majority towards women. And then since transitioning, it's maybe like a, a 60, 40, like majority towards women. So it's like with my increased attraction towards men, that is left my my family feeling slightly uncomfortable I think it's almost like they they thought okay so you know he's going to end up with a woman that'll be fine and then uh I transition and it's like oh (laughs) there's a very real real chance that I could then end up with a man and it's like where where is what is this born out of but when it comes to my transition um, my family were not not okay with that. Um, my mum was largely transphobic. Um, we had a very difficult few years where my mum would refuse to acknowledge my pronouns. They would misgender me. Um, she'd call me by my dead name whenever, like almost like on impulse, whenever addressing me, and that cuts like a knife um, to not be seen, to not be heard, to have my identity invalidated on such like a regular occurrence it really strained our relationship and it pushed me away from my family massively um and that in itself is very isolating um but uh it it does make me laugh a little bit because I think about I think about when I was younger and before I'd come out as anything just like I guess cishet assuming um and being assigned female at birth, my mum was like, oh, you can marry a man, great. And then I transition, and it's like, oh, you're not going to marry a man, are you? <laughs> it's just something that, <laughs> that makes me uh, makes me laugh. Um, it's like, be with a man, but not like that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, people, it's something that people just don't get, do they don't understand. And, you know, it also, again, you know, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of this whole thing of doing lots of scientific um, studies into, you know, we've had so many studies into does bisexuality exist and does this exist and that exist? I can't be doing with all that. At the end of the day, it's about human beings as human beings. But it does, it's interesting that you're, you've come out of the other side of this and discovered that actually your attraction to um, to men is stronger than it was was before. So that does say, actually, that when it comes to hormones and things it is a deeper thing than 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 just men and women and 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 do you know what I mean it's it's something that, that there is there is there must be in most men as a whole even straight men a little bit of something that attracts them to masculinity you know what I mean it's it's, it's interesting isn't it and this isn't like uh, an, an instances that is isolated to me either like I see this so much in the community that post-transition people are like some people have even gone from being um like well I guess before would be gay to then be straight like 
as speaking as a trans man um and that is that is very very interesting how and it shows how powerful hormones are so in terms of the community and i hate this word community because i'm not sure the community exists in the sense of everyone getting together and whatever but is there are are there do you think there are enough connections out there to to get people together who happen to be uh, well we know there are not masses of connections for bisexual people generally but are there people are there are there can, a reasonable amount of things to connect people who are bi and trans or is that still quite difficult no i i don't i don't think so um i think um it is better in some cities than others but largely it's through obviously who you know how you make connections that sort of thing like very much on like i i guess the the internet has helped with uh forming connections and things like that but in terms of like events safe spaces things like that it just isn't things that exist there's not things that markets sort of include us um like obviously you've got uh trans pride and things like brighton um which is which is massive um but very much lacking in sort of other places and on a smaller scale as well like when you have like queer events and things like that um and I also think that about straight trans people as well like they just wouldn't be seen as being included in their spaces but that's I guess other sort of letters that again being you know invalidated is it important for you to be known as trans or or do you, do, do you what, uh, what I'm trying to say really is you could walk down the street and nine times out of 10 most people would I'm sure just think of you as another man as another bloke yeah I I never get stopped when when so everyone that I meet sees me as a cis man um albeit a short cis man <laughs> um but yeah, when I meet someone and should me being trans come up in conversation or I might be with someone that knows that I'm trans and I might come in conversation with someone that I haven't met before, they'll look at me and they'll look at me in such a way and they'll be like, you don't look trans. And I'd never know. And I'm like, I can I can appreciate how you might think that I might receive that. But in reality, that that doesn't change the fact that I am. So I do not see that as a compliment. I don't see that as something that I should take as a compliment because it doesn't detract away that I am and that is my experience. And same with being bisexual. It's like, if sort of I'm with a woman, people will be like, oh, you know, I wouldn't have known. And it's like, well, I am. <laughs> and it's it's odd. I think I, I get where you're coming from. I understand that. You know, at the end of the day, it should take you as you are. It doesn't make any difference, does it, in that sense? So in terms of the person you're having a relationship with at, at the minute, are they trans as well as bi or...? Uh, no, no. Um, they are non-binary. Um, so they are assigned female at birth. Um, they use they, she pronouns. Um, and, yeah... We make a joke that I am, it's like T for T, but I'm the capital T and they're the lowercase T. <laughs> um, Fantastic. And how, how did you meet? So Tinder, of course, <laughs> as is the modern way. So how long have you been going out with each other? Uh, so it's been about a month now. Uh, we actually went to Bristol for three days for our second date. So 
it's uh yeah it's been it's been rather intense but it's been it's been really lovely um just sort of getting to know someone to yeah just to, to connect with someone on that level and to not have to feel like I have to present a certain way not feeling like pressured to fit some sort of ideals and it's just comfortable it's nice to be seen to be heard to be recognized and to just to show up how I am and to be accepted and I think largely that's what we all want is just that level of acceptance and just I see you you see me and that is okay yeah no I think I think it's a great situation because you you say you you've actually managed to get together with somebody who's bisexual and so many bisexual people struggle to do that they just don't get that opportunity i mean nikki lewis and i on the show are often talking about the fact that we we all of us even though we we all know each other we can probably count on one hand the amount of people that we know who are actually genuinely bisexual we could go and chat and talk to yes we know people through the podcast and online and whatever but it's very difficult to find people, isn't it, that are actually open and and and, and bi and, and happy to be to be bisexual. And if, if there are, the people who are out there tend to be people who are from a particular kind of background, so they might be academics or you know people in certain walks of life. When actually we know and you know, we all all know that you walk down the street, probably I don't know certainly. There could be fifteen percent of people who walk down the street you see every day who are actually probably bisexual, but they're not being open about it, you know. So, what would you say is the best thing? Then this is on the positive side. We always ask this question: What's the best thing about, despite the fact that are prejudices from gay and straight people alike, etc.? What's the best thing about understanding and recognizing that you're bisexual? I think is that level of authenticity, that level of just being genuine and being true to who you are and and recognising that, you know, that you don't have to fit anyone's mould, that you can just be yourself and that is enough. Like, you don't have to limit yourself. You can express yourself in whatever way. And I think there's just a level of authenticity that is just really rare. Um, and that is something that I value. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. So, what do you think needs to be done then? What can we do? You know, particularly you're in, you're based in the north of England, like like we are here. Um, we know, obviously, there's a, a great LGBT scene, as it were, in Manchester still, and in various other cities. And you know, we've we, we've got the impression of having a very fairly open society in certain parts of the north, which which is great. And I think some of some of those areas are fantastic, but there isn't you know there are people out there that don't necessarily engage in all that don't necessarily want to engage in all that they just want to get on with their lives and happen to be uh bisexual is there anything that we could do do you think to make things better for them and to reach out for them obviously we're doing this podcast and various people are doing other things but is there anything practically that could be done do you think to try and get people together or to make lives better for people generally who are bi i think Education is a big one, um, whether at whatever level. So say, I don't know, going into schools and educating people on LGBTQ plus lives, um, creating a, a safe, inclusive environment and just have that, build that, build a safe space where people can feel authentic in being themselves and knowing that they'll be respected, whether that's through, I don't know, um, community projects or 
I don't know, like I, like one thing that I really, uh, really like that I'm involved in currently is there's a, uh, uh, is there's a trans pen pal service that I'm involved in. So it matches you with another trans person to build community and build sort of shared experiences. And I think that is something that I found really beneficial and really useful because like having these experiences, it can be extremely isolating. And I think largely to soothe that, eradicate that is to build connections, build community. I know you dislike that word, but... (laughs) No, I don't. I don't. I don't dislike the word. I, if it's a genuine community, great. But I sometimes think there's a overemphasis on the LGBT community being a community because I don't think it necessarily always is, unfortunately. And there are lots of people who can't stand each other within the, the inverted commas community. In terms of gay and bi, lesbian, gay men, bisexual men, bisexual women, whatever. Um, I know you probably haven't masses of experience of meeting lots of bi people. And neither have I, neither of any of us to an extent. But do you find that the bi people compared to the the gay people or the straight people, do you find that bi people generally, the ones that you've met and you've communicated with and not, you know, had some kind of um, connection with, do you find that they treat the trans side of things differently? And is it... Are they better at it? Are they worse at it? Are they more inclusive? Are they not inclusive? You know, what's your experience been of bi people generally compared to, say, gay men or, you know, straight women or whatever? Maybe this is because they also have their identities questions or raised. But with bi people, I just feel like there's an understanding there and there's, there's, it just feels so much easier because, well, from my perspective, I don't feel like I have to, compete or be a certain way or look a certain way or act a certain way whereas with gay men or straight women I feel like there's definitely pressures to like be different to alter parts of myself to fit into some sort of mold that isn't always comfortable so with bisexual people I do feel like I can be more authentic um, and I don't feel like there's the same level of judgment that you do see with other queer people yeah your your cat has come back to tell us what she thinks <laughs> what do you think <laughs> you're sniffing the pen now sniffing the pen uh, uh what about uh, they don't often get talked about in these programs um what about what about straight women and straight men how do they react to the tra- the trans side of things and and the bi trans side of things you know have you had i mean i'm just saying you might have friends who are happen to be straight men or whatever have you found it easy, quite easy to get on with them when it comes to communicating who you are uh not particularly no um specifically straight men um i feel it's it's a lot dif- a lot more difficult for me to be uh openly trans amongst them um and like I don't know, it's it's tricky. Uh especially especially when they might feel somewhat either threatened or it might call into question their identity or it might they might view you differently. Because with in a lot of relationships, I wait until I'm in a safe enough environment or feel secure in myself to say I am trans you know um so until I reach that point I don't 
I don't tell people I would have a conversation with them. I would let them see me as I am, form their own opinions. And then if it, if I feel safe to do so, because that is my truth. That is who I am. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Look, Kat, Kat is trying to get your glasses off now. And uh, she keeps looking around at me with big, big, big green eyes. Beautiful cat. <laughs> She's trying to bite you now. <laughs> no, she, she wants the attention. She wants the attention. Yeah, so basically you were saying it's quite difficult. And I presume with straight women, it can be difficult too, I suppose. So I feel a lot of that comes out with humour as well. Largely misplaced humour. Um, like, specifically around genitals, again, because it seems to be people's f- focus. And I'm not sure why. Um, like, just let me live. <laughs> Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, we haven't talked about that side of things. Um, I mean, briefly, um, has that, you know, the whole issue of, of just the whole issue of sex when it comes to men and women and gay side of things and all the rest of it, you know, as that, you know, a lot of people who are bisexual have to, bisexual um, men often talk to us about the difficulty sometimes they've been dating women for years and they suddenly date men and they they want to date men and they want to have sex with men but they're quite quite sure what to do and there's all the difficulties that go with it and blah 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 and and so obviously people have a perception as to what sex with two men is and it's not necessarily that you know actually there's probably only about 20 percent of people do what we're talking you know the extreme of what we're talking about um you know has that been something you've had to really navigate as well and i mean that because i presume you have to do you have to talk these things through with people i mean yeah at length because my gender dysphoria can be quite bad specifically before i got top surgery that was a massive thing for me i wouldn't let people see my chest i wouldn't i would feel incredibly uncomfortable not wearing a binder i would feel very very vulnerable to share that kind of space with someone to be intimate with someone but with gay men specifically, I feel like they have this perception that I have to be a bottom. But that is that is not like that's not reflective. Um, and I, I don't feel I, I feel like that is uh, sort of damaging just to box people in that way. Like because uh, gay men seem to, again, focus on genitals, as is uh, what cis people love to focus on um but you know there's methods around that open your mind sort of thing <laughs> yeah no, absolutely people should definitely open their minds i i get that i understand that i mean, I, I agree that most lots of gay men are obsessed with um well they're upset often obsessed with extreme masculinity aren't they it's the extreme masculinity that they're, they're attracted to you know some some i mean some gay men do fantasize about um by guys but they fantasize probably more about straight men don't they often you know what i mean you get a lot of that sort of the, the whole thing about oh i'd love to date a straight man because you know or, or i'd love to turn a straight man just for one night or whatever it may be you know so um a lot of that comes into it doesn't it really people's fantasies and, and whatever when it comes to people's fantasies then that calls into the fetishization and the infant infantilizing of trans people so people might be like they want to be with a trans person because of xyz like they would fetishize people's genitals or like they would just think you know like how does a trans person have sex like how how what does this look like you know like it's like um so 
this is largely off topic, but going for a smear, I had to have a conversation with the nurse being like, it's not going to look like what you think it's going to look like. <laughs> it's not what you used to. <laughs> and it's, it's like conversations like that. And like, because of hormones, things work in different ways, you know, and it's, it's having these like uncomfortable conversations and educating people that, you know, that I'm not a cis person. My body doesn't look like a cis person's, you know. Hormones have affected different parts, you know, from everything. Like, everything and anything has been affected by this. Um, and that does affect how I am intimate with people um, because there are certain things that I have to navigate. Of course, of course. You shouldn't have to be um, explaining all that to a nurse, though, should you? I mean, they should at least be educated to, to a certain standard to understand that, shouldn't they? Oh, yeah. it, uh, in a medical profession, it's largely up to the trans person to advocate for themselves and to educate people on what's going on. And it, it shouldn't be the way, but it is. Crazy, 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 crazy. Freddie, it's been lovely to talk to you. Um, I don't think there's anything else you want to say, uh, but obviously there were people listening to this, hopefully, who are also you know, trans and bi and probably haven't heard a story from somebody who's trans and bi before. I mean, is there anything you'd like to say to, to anybody who's listening who, um, you know, who's listening to this and, and, and realises that actually they, um, I don't know, they, they're trans and they actually are bisexual and they ought to do something about it? Of course, yeah. I mean, uh, from my sort of experiences, um, it would just be to just be true to yourself and to not sort of limit who you are for the sake of another person, for societal perceptions, because it's not worth it. Life's too short to box yourself in to, to be someone that you're not. And just to, just to own that authenticity and just to explore and play about with gender and just be your authentic self, because what have you got to lose? Absolutely. Freddie, that's lovely. Thank you very much indeed for talking to us. Thank you for having me. Something you want to know? Why not ask a bisexual? So, Lewis, it's a um, twofold, possibly threefold sort of question. Lots of different elements to this one. Um, I'll, um, I'll just read it out. It's from Tom in Cornwall. And he says, I'm in a relationship with a gay man. And he's a great guy. We get on really well. Uh, but it feels like he's too obsessed with me being bisexual. He wants to know all about my liaisons with women. It's a turn-on for him, but it makes me feel really uncomfortable. Now, that's obviously fetishization. We'll talk about that in a moment. But there's an element, another element to this. <laughs> um, he says, I'd be interested in the idea of threesomes, actually, and doing something about it. But he's not a bit interested in that. It's just a fantasy to him that he wants to fulfil and he's always going on about it when we're having sex. I love him deeply, but I don't want to upset him. So what do we think about that? Let's take the fetishization thing. I've come across this quite a few times in my life, actually, amongst gay men, uh, whether it be gay men searching out bisexual men on dating sites and things like that years ago. A uh, few times when I'd, I'd had one-night stands and things, you'd meet gay men who were really, really, really into this and really obsessed about it. For a one-night stand, it's not a big deal. Go along with it, don't you, to an extent. Um, but I can imagine that it becomes a bit, or can become a bit annoying if it's constantly 
part of the uh, the story. What do you think, uh, Lewis? Yeah, so it's an interesting one. I think so. Let's start out with you know, in some in some ways, sometimes it's nice to be fetishized, and I've definitely been there um, back in the single days where you know there were gay men that just loved the idea that I'd had sex with women and it made me more masculine to them and they were really into like looking for a mask guy who you know had sex with women and I was having sex with them and you know that turned them on a bit and you know if that turns you on that's great however this person feels uncomfortable about it so you know I would say that there's definitely a conversation to be had of like look I you know it's an odd one, right? Because it's like, you find me attractive, but you find me attractive for reasons that I'm not comfortable with you finding me attractive. So, you know, I think it's, it is probably A, about talking to your partner about it, but then at the same time, it is probably about you reaching a decision yourself on, am I okay with the fact that this person is turned on by me in part because they think it's really hot that I've had sex with women. Um, and then it's in part of it, you know, can you move past that? Because I don't think this person, to be fair, has been quite open about the fact that that's hot to them and that turns them on. Um, that's not going to change with a conversation. They're not going to suddenly not find it hot that you've had sex with women. So there is that element of, you know, the cards are already sort of on the table. Can you handle that? or not, and if, you, if you're always going to be uncomfortable with the fact that that's part of the reason they're attracted to you, then maybe, you know, that's not a great position to be in. Um, but I just think talking to your partner is a, is a great starting point of like, look, it's fine that you find that attractive, but I need to know you find me attractive for me, not the past people I've had sex with, or whatever it is. But at the same time, can I just say, you know, and not that I think that bisexual people should ever be in a relationship with these people, but there are certain people out there that see the bisexual history as a shame, as something they don't want to hear about and they don't want to talk about. So it is a slight balancing act with this one, I think. Yeah, I mean, of course, if we were here discussing this um, about women and uh, mm. it being, uh, you know, a, a bi woman who's really fed up of a straight man going on about wanting or thinking, having hearing stories about her going off with, you know, other women, um, we might be approaching this in a slightly different way, might we? Because there is a perception that, you know, bi women are fetishized about by straight men a lot. And we might be, we might be taking the moral, the moral high ground on that one, might we? Because, um, because it's, you know what I mean? Is, is, are, is there a bit of, what I'm saying, is there a bit of hypocrisy in this when we're talking about this? Maybe there is, because maybe it's one of those things where I'm so used to bisexuality in men being a shame and something that partners don't want to talk about, obviously not with my partner, um, that I'm kind of like, oh my God, like there's someone out there that like wants to celebrate the fact that you're bisexual. That's quite nice. But then, yeah, if you flip that to bisexual women, where all they, you know, get some of the time is fetishization for the fact that they've been with women, then yeah, I think we would maybe be having a slightly different um situation so yeah maybe i'm a massive hypocrite the other interesting thing about this is this is just my reflection uh personal reflection is that actually 
you know, <laughs> the people have this thing about oh, um, you know, they, they like the buys because you know they're sort of the the, the real men. You know, they obviously had sex with women or whatever. This you get that some straight some gay men will say that they, they find it attractive because that's attractive. Oh yeah, but, but actually, in my experience, most bi men I know are actually quite soft. <laughs> And and you know and and the, in the sense and you know I I think that I mean we, this is something we'd have to do a study on and you'd have to really go deep and deeping into it but I sometimes think that bi men are actually more what's the word um, I suppose more in tune in a way with their or can be more in tune with their feminine side or understanding you know a woman and femininity and whatever then they're not necessarily well obviously they're not a replica of a straight man anyway. Do you know what I mean? And actually, are prob- yeah. are sometimes less aggressive than than some gay men are. Do you, do you know where I'm coming from? So it's a, it's it, oh, yeah. it's complex, isn't it? It's a very complex thing, really. At the end of the day, um, would you when when yeah, when this is a tricky question? When gay men said that met you and said that when they found out you're bisexual and thought that that was a turn or whatever, what turn on or whatever? What did it make you feel like at the time? Um, I don't know. Just, uh, you know, I, I think there was one guy that was like, oh, is this the same penis you've put in women? So, well, I only have the one. I don't have, like, a retractable, like, you know, one I use for different genders or sexes. Like, of course it's the same one. Um, so, you know, there are, there are people that were, you know, hot with it. And, you know, I, I think maybe for me, and maybe I'm projecting a bit too much of my personal experience on this question, it was strangely nice for me where it was like, oh, this person accepts that I'm bisexual and is celebrating the fact that I've had sex with, you know, different sexes. Um, so that always, for me, felt like a good thing in it, in that sense, rather than someone that was like, oh, I'm uncomfortable with the fact that this penis has been, been inside of a man or inside of a woman or whatever it is, you know. Um, so I always felt that that was quite a good thing. It is being fetishized, but to be honest, did I have a problem with that? No. But some people do, and, you know, that's a valid issue if that's how they feel. Yeah, no, absolutely. So what about the second part of his question then? Um, that he says he'd be interested in the idea of a threesome and doing something about it. But the other guy, uh, the gay guy, is not interested in that. It's just a fantasy for him. Um, but, you know, he's all he's always going on about it, and, you know, he's just a bit fed up with that. But I suppose the issue here for the gay guy, I suppose, is that... Um, well, I don't know, actually. He's well, he's gay, yeah, and he's not going to get involved with a woman, he's is he? He's not going to get... You know. I think, so I think two things on this. I think, number one, he's asking the wrong question. He shouldn't be asking if he wants a threesome. He should be asking, do you want to watch? Um, I think that's the, the main thing, because clearly if he gets off on the idea that he's had sex with women, watching him have sex with a woman would be, you know, just like his fantasy come to life. So that's one. But I will also say the second part of that is I do often find with sexual fantasies, the fantasy is often better than the reality. The reality is often messy over quickly and, you know, not what you thought. So sometimes, you know, a fantasy should just stay a fantasy and you should never realise it. And that's okay. Exactly. There was a show on TV a few weeks ago, actually, on Channel 4. It was a programme where they're talking about um, people, mainly mainly straight couples or well, I'm, not, I'm not sure they're all straight actually but couples generally basically who are looking to um have um you know uh, open relationships and have threesomes and foursomes and orgies and all the rest of it and but some of them have got a bit nervous about it and there's this this guy and 
and his um, girlfriend who are really, really interested in having a threesome with um, another woman. The guy was really, really up for it. They went through the process. The, they had hidden cameras, or not hidden. Obviously, it wasn't completely hidden, but they had cameras in to show what was going on, whatever. And this guy just, he lost it completely. He got so jealous of the fact that his, his, his girlfriend was getting on with this woman. It was ridiculously jealous. It was just crazy. And you cannot... You can't plan for that, can you? Jealousy gets in the way. It's one of those things that just happens. It's there. It's in all of oh, us, isn't it? As someone that had an open relationship with with a previous boyfriend, like I, I think it's one of those things where it's it's a dodgy thing, right? Because realizing your sexual fantasy, um, or you know, in some ways, having an open relationship, sometimes I think it's a very it takes a very specific person that can be okay with it. And the idea that you would find two people in the same relationship that, that can be okay with it is, you know, rare. It totally happens and it totally works when it does. But it's also one of those things where you don't know until you, you know, see your other partner eight inches deep into someone else and realise, actually, this is not what I thought it would be and I'm actually not feeling this now. Um, and then it's too late. Um, so it's one of those things where it's it's, it's kind of a... a you know, how could you ever know? If that's your fantasy and you're like, yeah, I want to realise the fantasy, and then it happens and then you feel like it's actually affected the relationship, that's a horrible place to be in. Um, so, you know, it's one of those... I would never... I, I always kind of... When we talk about fantasies, I always err on the course of... Fantasies are great, but sometimes they're great as just fantasies. But there are some people out there that can realise their sexual fantasies and love it. So it's it's a it's a it's a roll of the dice, to be honest. I think that's the best way to kind of um to kind of conclude. It's a roll of the dice. So I would say with this guy, you've asked him for a threesome, he's turned you down. Ask him if he wants to watch and and see if he's more into that. If that's what you want. I mean this, you know. It sounds like they're really in love and it sounds like they're they're making a go of it. It sounds like they just have a few issues here and there with fetishization and also how this bisexuality should manifest if at all in this relationship and how much the partner would want to be part of that. Well, if it would if it worked um and he, you know and the the gay guy was really up for seeing you know, the, the bi guy having sex on a regular basis every now and again with a woman, then it, it's, it's, for some bisexual people, that would be a perfect world, wouldn't it? The perfect perfect relationship. I mean, yeah, there's some people who find that the dream and good for those people. Absolutely, absolutely. Fantastic. Well, thank you very much for your question, Tom. Hope we've helped you in some way. But more than anything, just talk about it. Have a chat. You know, make sure the guy knows how you feel. And you'll be able to work your way through it. But it does sound, it sounds to me, actually, rather than it being a problem, it could actually be an advantage if they if they get it right. And sometimes I think this is this is a thing, right? If Tom is a bisexual that's not, and I don't know anything about you, Tom, if you're listening, if you're a bisexual that's not surrounded by any other bisexuals, sometimes you can overthink some of these issues. And maybe sometimes it is good to hear another bisexual guy saying like, oh, actually, that's a nice problem to have. He, he likes your bisexuality a bit too much. Um, you know, and maybe that's totally the wrong thing. Maybe that will throw Tom in the other direction of like, no, like, 
you're not you're not listening to me I, I'm uncomfortable with it but I found sometimes when bisexual come together and and talk about things sometimes it can be like you know what this isn't such a big problem this is a nice problem to have this is all right ready to ask a question of your own send an email now to info at madeinmanchester.tv and in the subject line say for the attention of bisexual brunch and you might get featured on a future show don't be shy they won't bite so before we finish this time list, we want to shout out for our Patreon page, don't we? As a podcast, we uh, survive quite a lot on, you know, on our voluntary service, as it were, our service to this show. We're, but we're all leading busy lives and things, Nikki, Lewis and myself. So we need your support, really, to keep things going um, because um, there are costs involved and things. So we'd encourage people to be supporters of Bisexual Brunch by logging on to Patreon, wouldn't we, Lewis? Oh, yes, please, if you could. Honestly, I, I we really want to grow the podcast. We really want to do more. As I say, any support is 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 just really useful. And I think as someone that's always moaning about there not being enough bisexual stuff out there, I think that this podcast and what we're doing, I'm so proud of it. And I love doing this podcast. As I say, you know, I was on with Piers Morgan the other day, you know, trying to sum everything up into... 30 second clips the fact that we can do this show sometimes you know they're three hour shows where we can just talk at length as bisexual people and just put the world to rights and really go into it and sometimes even do what I love which is saying I don't know I don't know the answer um because I feel like when bisexual people have to go into the mainstream we have to know the answer we have to know what's going on I think this podcast is so important and I love doing it and any support we can have to keep doing it would just be amazing Absolutely, absolutely. We'll stand by for a message that tells you how how exactly you can do that in a moment. But as Lewis says, you know, there's loads of things we could do if we were to get a bit more funding. Um, there's loads of exciting things we could achieve for the bisexual community right across the world. Bisexual Brunch is produced with love by MIM. And if you like what we do, why not support us on Patreon? Visit patreon.com forward slash bisexual brunch. Thank you. Okay, well, that's Bisexual Brunch for this week. If you've got any comments, thoughts, musings, do get in touch with us at, at Bisexual Brunch on Twitter. And thank you for listening, and we'll see you later. Bye for now. So then, Lewis, you're really relaxed there with a glass of wine. Just And, and Maisie's not... I can't hear Maisie in the background. It, it seems as though... Maisie's slept. Yeah, amazing that Maisie's gone to sleep. Um, <laughs> uh, but uh, the, the little boy is already asleep, I presume. He's, uh, he's, he's fast on, is he? Yeah, he'll, um, he'll wake up intermittently throughout the night for a little breastfeed, but that's fine. My stepson should be back any moment from football practice. And usually I take him on a Tuesday night. So this is the first night he's gone by himself. So we've got, you know, one child down, one child in between sleep, one child about to return. The living room is an absolute tip. So I need to, after this recording, clean the house up, go and get the washing in, be all domestic, the glamorous life of a bisexual and then if I have any time, make a start on my book. And don't forget, before the next show, you need to go and visit the Queer Museum. I'm going to go visit the Queer Museum, I promise. Yes, go in incognito, go with a little microphone or something and sort of give us your views as you a go around. A newspaper with two eye yeah. holes cut in. Yeah. <laughs> I'll send some pictures. <laughs> Good. Good stuff. Right, there you go. We're done. Perfect.
This program is an MIM production. Remember to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.